Back in my day, we played with pogs. Okay, sorry. Back in my day, we, we played, played marbles. with pogs. We had marbles and we'd flick them across you the thing. And jacks? Play with tiddlywinks. Tiddlywinks. <laughs> what? Look it up. <laughs> You're listening to The John Chi Show, hosted by three Korean-American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean, American, and more. And now, here's your host, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ. Welcome back to The John Chi Show. This is episode 30-something. Uh, 33? <laughs> 33. <laughs> uh, man, I don't know what episode it is. Uh, we are... Remember that TV series called 30-something? No. What? Never mind. I'm too old. <laughs> what? Dude, you're not too old, okay? Why you always got to be down on yourself like that? Anyways, uh, this is The John Chi Show. Uh, currently speaking is KJ, one of your hosts. With me today is Nathan Nowak and Patrick Armstrong, and all of us are here old. for the entire episode. Say hello, boys. Hello. Hello, boys. <laughs> hello, hello, boys. boys. Yeah. Ah, yeah. You that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what do you mean? That's like, that was totally your territory. I know. Surely you can't be serious. <laughs> I am serious, and don't call me sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's Sorry. like that's one of my favorite dumb jokes, I think. Oh, I, that, that movie has so many classics. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, we have an interview with Jennifer Patel, who is fellow dallasite um which is very exciting personally for me and also fellow cad which is exciting for all four of us uh so it's a really really fantastic interview but before we jump into that we are going to spend some time talking about our names specifically nathan kj and patrick jk we're actually talking about korean names um kind of related to our names and and maybe a broader discussion about Korean names. Um, Because we all have, I think, a a little bit different relationship with that, um, with our Korean names. So first off, for the listeners at home, um, Nathan, Patrick, what are your Korean names? (laughs) It's like a game show all of a sudden. Um, Yes, so my my name, yeah, exactly, for 200, what is Lee Sang-kil? So yes, my name my name is Lee Sang Gil. Nice. Which I always thought was Kill, K I L, mm. but as we all have now learned that the K's and the G's are very similar, so yeah, so I'm pronouncing it more the Gil, I guess. Lee Sang Gil. I always, you know, Sang Gil. I would always say, "Don't mess with me. My middle name's Kill." Yeah, dog. <laughs> yeah, dog. <laughs> wow. I was um, so gangster in Oklahoma. Yeah, you were. I my my. <laughs> Name is Kim Young Jin. I always said it the Ameri or the first to last. Young, Young Jin, Jin Kim, right? Kim, but mm. it could be yeah, Young Kim. That is my name. I guess we'll talk about it. Cool. Rounding it out, my Korean name is Kang Jun Tae. So, which I always found weird because the some of the Koreans that I knew growing up, I mean, I still know them, but uh, the ones that I've met or the ones that I heard of, like uh, I've met a lot of boys named or heard of a lot of Korean boys named Jun but not Jun Tae. And Jun yeah. is the only like two syllable name that I've heard of. Like, you know, like uh E Jun or like Kim Jun, but I don't I haven't heard any like three syllable ones. And also Tae Jun Tae specifically seems fairly uncommon, which is interesting. Um Yeah, I I so I did a little research too, trying to figure out what our meanings of all our names were and, and Jun Tae was a tough one to What to did you find? I'm there curious. Many things, so uh, so for for your name, I found actually um, uh, handsome and great. 
hey oh so have you heard that before in the past no um and also um i will say that the hanja with your name really matters to define yeah. like what your name means uh my because papers, it can be different right yeah yeah it yeah. can be like one one's the meaning of a name one's the meaning of the word which could just be like you said kong is your last name yeah yeah that means bean right kong i meant i kong. had heard it meant river river mm-hmm. oh i'm spelling it k-o-n-g oh no it's k-a-n-g Ah, see, Kang. Kang. Yeah, there we but go. there's no Kong, like, there's no in case eh anyone's listening. sound in, in <laughs> Korean, <laughs> so it's Kang. But yeah, um, so my Korean name, from according to my papers, means eminent greatness. So not a lot to live up to there. That's great. I love that. I wish my name meant that. So the word great, so that's yeah. similar. Uh, I, I found that Sang uh, meant bright, Um Kill meant road or path. So again, I don't know how accurate that is, mm. but uh, you know, it's the uh, the bright path or road. I don't know. It feels well, like a Lord of the Rings thing. Star. Yeah. Even though my first name is Young. No, your first yeah, name I is up Young. Too. I, I found bright yeah, as well Young for Jim. yours, or spirit and and hero was another braver hero. Ooh. Was also something it talked about with Jin. I would like to be a bright hero. That would be cool. <laughs> I know we're talking about names, but I just read something real interesting on this piece of paper that I've never, I thought I had read before, but I think I might have just like not talked Skip about over it. it. Can I? Yeah, man, go yeah. for it. Uh, first so, off, explain to the listener what the piece of paper is and also please talk into your mic. <laughs> am I away from my mic? I mean, um, if you're not, if you're not directly on it, and I will say this, you are in particular the worst of the three of us for like leaning back or looking away or whatever. So like I can hear all of your head movements around the microphone. Well, you do a great job of editing <laughs> to make it not sound that way. Um, I have, uh, I've talked about it before, but I have all my files or that my parents kept. And this particular form is called confidential background information, which also has the meaning of my name on it. Mm. Uh, but at the bottom, so it also marks that uh, my name was given by a social worker and not by mm-hmm. my parents. So I have that information. Um, but it has a lot of interesting information about my birth mother specifically. So essentially, her and my dad or my birth father like were became close. And then he got married to somebody else, and then they never heard from him again. Um, And then she became belatedly aware of the pregnancy six months in. And then it said, as she has hard situations economically, socially, and psychologically at present, the baby was referred for his better future to be raised by good normal parents. One, that last bit is kind of (laughs) problematic language. I don't like it. Be raised by good and normal parents. Could do without that, <laughs> yeah. but I thought that was interesting. Just like <laughs> I could do without your editorializing adoption agency. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could go back in time and rewrite that. That would be great. I don't know. I just thought that was really interesting, particularly the psychological stuff. And not that she was struggling. I don't know what she was struggling with. There's no information in here. I mean, maybe there is a little bit more, but I don't think that there is. This is the only part of that paper. But I just did the DNA test, and I thought it was particularly interesting that I had only one variant of one of the things like the health things whereas like my sister has a numerous like not like a lot but i know that she's got way more than me um where at least she has one variant detected and i don't have like any of that so i think that just made me i don't know it was just interesting i read my name and then i was like oh what's this paragraph of information here? yeah um and yeah. then read it and i was like oh 
But I don't know. I just we've been talking a lot about mental health mm-hmm. lately and on Clubhouse, and I've been thinking about that a lot. Um, and now I'm like, great, I have a lot of issues. <laughs> that's exactly. That's immediately what I thought. I'm like. Ugh. This is the worst information to read. So I think I just wanted to process that right here yeah. uh, in that moment. But uh, This paper explains everything. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah, right? That's I'm just taking it immediately at face value, too. I'm just like, oh Yeah, exactly. That it wasn't made up. Taking you know, it in the worst and, way possible mm-hmm. that I could possibly take it. But that's immediately what yeah. I thought. Like, it, I forgot everything we were talking about, and I was like, oh, my yeah. gosh. That's well, I mean— the translation of something like that has to be taken with a grain of salt because you're assuming that they say psychologically wasn't there could mean she was depressed about giving up her her baby or that she was a single mother. I mean, the is it's not a psychological evaluation. Right. It's just that she was she was struggling with having to potentially you know raise a kid on her own. Right. So the translation there could mean anything, and and so I I. I I wouldn't take it too too. Uh, also, you know, deeply, like just the the. Yeah, I, I, um, I think especially just because Patrick, you and I are younger than Nathan, and so like the adoption processes probably would have changed. Like the reason for the editorializing might have been like, oh, you know what? I'm going right. to write this in there so that when you read this, you're like, oh, well, it's good that I was given away, or you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay. So it could just right. be some crap yeah. like that. We're like literally just don't put anything. You know, like. You didn't right. take the time, yeah. like unless a social worker was a close personal friend, which also seems problematic just in terms of social practice. I mean, like, don't don't write that stuff, you know, because like, yeah, it's like like yeah. I had stuff I remember reading in one of my papers that neither my mom nor I can find at the moment um, about like, you know, my dad was just like quiet in person, blah, 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 and my mom was like whatever or, or vice versa. Right. And you're like chances are you met them like what maybe at the most three times and like again like how are you gonna know like this is such a like a such a flashpoint of who you get to see these people and you know and you're just like so i mean yeah because i was the same i was like oh maybe i'm like my mom because we just naturally like please dear god let me be like somebody you know like let me let me relate and connect to someone but yeah it's also just like what was yeah what was the point of writing all of those things you know and i'm for me even being adopted um later than you it's just like yeah maybe they were they changed their process you know and i don't know what adoptees now what type of documentation they have maybe they did stop finally editorializing but yeah well i appreciate you guys saying those things uh and sitting here and let me say all that because i if i would have looked at this by myself i probably would just be spiraling right now being like oh my god i have so many problems (laughs) because i always i've just because we've been talking about mental health a lot and lately and i've just been thinking about you know intrusive thoughts that i've always dealt with and like all these other things these little things and i think it's more prevalent in my mind because as i get closer to being married and starting my family and I'm thinking about oh kids and it's like well i don't want my kids to have my issues that i have i want them to have <laughs> none of those they should have their own issues um and so yeah so i think i'm really glad to have or to just have sat here with you guys and had you say those things and walk me through it essentially because i was like oh my gosh and then you both just came in and smoothed it out so i mean it's a lot that's why that's why i love the show that's why i love the show and i like (laughs) i mean just the other thing too i will say and i think to this and still this is way way off the topic of names (laughs) um, but community (laughs) but community uh like what we're building because we talk about we've never met but you know we're a small community itself and just knowing that I have people like outside of social media spaces that are that I've found virtually in the last year uh, is really great because 
it's a lot to process on what's my own stuff, not let alone what's going on in the world. And to be able to sit with you guys and do that, you know, like last Friday was really cathartic for me. Like I needed to have that. Uh, and I don't even think I could have done that on like clubhouse. This is like inner circle type mm-hmm. stuff. So you guys are in the inner yes. circle. Just if you didn't know that, nice. but remember the old T-Mobile or the boost or no virgin mobile yeah, circle. I remember that. <laughs> you guys are in my circle hey, of friends in that. On that MySpace <laughs> my top five. eight, baby. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, I noticed on uh, iPhone now and messages, you can do uh, um, a little favorites category at the top. Oh, and have really? your favorite. Have y'all not been pinning texting? your messages and in iMessage? No. Man. No. Yeah. Y'all you guys are like, were up there like now, one of the though. first groups that I pinned. It was like no, you, was... my wife. Pretty much it. Yeah. I'm still scrolling. Oh my gosh! All you my messages. Nerd. Yeah. Stuff. So check. You can just grab yeah, it dog. and move it to oh, the yeah, top. Like those yeah. Things. I love how this show has turned from names to tech <laughs> bites by the John Chi Show. I had no idea. I, when did that about how to use out? their Android or iPhone? Speaking of usage and names uh, on our texting, how have you guys used your names in uh, um, the past? Your Korean names. Um, I was actually just talking about this with a uh, fellow Janchi person. I'm gonna I'm gonna start calling our fans the Janchi people. It's like party people, but Janchi people. I like so, that because I, I you know, it. so be like, what up, party people? But this time is what up, Janchi people? The Janchi people. Um. Anyway, yeah. so I was talking to one of our our listeners, and um, he uses his <laughs> his Korean name on uh Facebook, and um, <laughs> we were talking off air about like oh, I can't freaking search for his name, um. But I was I was saying I think it was with him um, how like the internet has always been a really nice space for me because I have traditionally used some form of my Korean name for uh, I mean it started with like literally my AIM screen name um, and then has moved to uh, email addresses to like my Xbox gamer tag to like uh, just lots of different things you know anytime that I needed a username that I just didn't want to use my personal name for. I would always go with my Korean name. And so in some ways, even though, you know, uh, we feel like we've been robbed from this identity, the internet gave me a place and being a a digital native, um, I got to have a place where I chose and like began the steps of reclaiming my Korean identity. And so I think that's always why I felt really comfortable on the internet is because I'm like, oh no, this is, I mean, this is what I chose chose for myself you know and and people like even if it's just in video games like people know me and refer to me as you know junte or you know whatever so kang the fang as it once was so before i realized it was pronounced kong and i'm like oh kang, kang the, the fang. fang doesn't make any sense <laughs> you'd be like kang the fang and that doesn't sound good so <laughs> it rolls off the tongue still yeah i never use my name uh for anything uh because i think that was just putting me too close, too closely to Asian culture or being recognized as Asian, giving firepower. I mean, not that I thought about it that way, but I think that's why the reason I didn't use it is because I thought subconsciously it's another thing that I could be made fun of for. So why would I ever put myself in that position? And what, who is ever going to call me that? You know, why would anybody ever talk to me or call me that, use that name to refer to me? So I was just Patrick or Pat. As some new people are starting to refer to me, which makes me know that we've been in a relationship for a long time. <laughs> uh, that's been interesting for the Pat to come back. I've been Patrick for a while, so. I like Jin, though. I, I like your middle I know, name, I, Jin. So, oh, okay. Actually, I will say this. My parents, uh, so my sister's last name, I believe, in Korean is Lee, uh, L-E-E. And she uses that for her middle name, or she has that as her middle name. And my parents... So I use I have young, 
But my middle name is technically, I have two middle names, Samuel, which is my dad's dad, um, my grandfather on that side, and then Samuel Young. So I'm Patrick Samuel Young Armstrong, which is interesting because on my license, it's S-Y, but there's no period to denote that they're two separate names. So people always think my license is either fake or that my middle name is Psy. So uh, Duck <laughs> Dynasty slash uh, yeah. K-pop fame, whichever nice. one you want to go. go. K-pop um, fan. But, I, but that's another way that I ran away from that, too. Like, I would never use the young part of my name. I always felt embarrassed that I had two middle names. You know what I mean? Uh, well, you might not know what I mean, but um, well, if you didn't, your initials would be PSA. Well, yeah, so. I kind of like that. Though. <laughs> I'm like, I like to talk. I like to talk. I got stuff to say, um, but I never That's used it. Your whole life kind of is a in, public service announcement. <laughs> I actually uh, did use it as a song title for something, um, nice. Oh, nice. even though it wasn't the song wasn't about me. But uh, and I don't know if that song ever got released, but. Uh, anyways, that was that's been my experience with usage has been basically none. And then lately, you know, I think about it a lot more and I I do like it. Actually, I like the way it sounds. I like the way it makes me feel a little bit more whole. And that's why I started mm-hmm. to use the Hanglize version of it, uh, like on my Instagram handle and or my bio and things like that. So slowly reclaiming. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Jin was also a character in Tekken. Oh yeah, the fighting yeah. game with the hair. Man, I love with, Tekken. Uh, <laughs> there you go. And the red the hair matches. And the red. He was like Paul's equal. I don't know why I remember the character names of Tekken, but now I want to play that. Just unearthing memories. That's what we do here on the Donchi Show. Well, we dig up weird I, facts about ourselves. <laughs> memories. I used my name for my uh, college email, so I I don't think I used it ever before in high school. Um, but once I got to college, for some reason, I, I made that choice to use it as a, as my uh, college email. So just the sang part, which I didn't know that Koreans typically use both their first name and their middle name together. Uh, I really didn't know that until later when I moved out to California. Um, and I definitely didn't know that, that you, you say that to a person too, when, until I met my family, uh, when I met my biological sister, the first thing she said was my my korean name sangil sangil and and so that was really interesting to know that that's how they knew me and memorized or knew me my name so um yeah something we talked about i think i think it was on um when we did the crossover with adapted uh, it was uh kiyomi I, i talked a little about how i've actually changed my name on my communications with my biological family in korea to sangil so that they can call me that instead of nathan even though when I was over there and I met with him, they continued to call me Nathan. But it, but now that I think about it, I, I, I shouldn't have allowed that. I should have at one point said, no, you guys should call me Sangel because that's how they know me. So, How did you feel making that change named. in that like group message or whatever? I, I felt great. Like yeah. I actually, it was, it was very, I don't know, um, like a release of just like, oh, wow, I, I should have done this a long time ago. And, uh, uh, I, they haven't actually mentioned it or said anything about it yet. Like, so I'm kind of like waiting for somebody to notice. Like, uh, like, cause I've met, we haven't really had a whole lot of messages re- recently, but. So I um, wanted to, to offer a brief correction just while we're here. Um, Koreans don't have middle names. Right. So I was also going to say. Yeah. That. So it's, okay, uh, sorry. so like your name is Sanggil and then Patrick, your name is Yongjin, right? In the same way right. that my, and actually like my, 
American middle name is my Korean name, Jintae, right? And so, like, in Korean culture, when you're calling someone, especially, like, the, the three of us, you know, like, you would say, like, oh, Sanggila, come here, you know, like, or Jongjina, uh, like, that's that's a really f- uh, familiar way to to call someone, right? Or if you watch a K-drama or whatever, then sometimes you'll get all three, like, Shin, you know, or whatever, that there's, like, you need all of the bits and then you bring on certain honorifics or titles, you know, they're like, you know, if it's president or director or manager or teacher, something name or, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, so it's your name is Sanggil. It's not just Sang or Sang, um, mm. you know, and, and your name, Patrick, is Yongjin, you know, so like Yongjina. Right. And I was I think I said it in that clubhouse room, um, like if someone calls to me and says Juntea, like I, I, you know, when I was younger, I mistook that for, oh, that's a way to start a fight, which maybe it could be. Um, it's, it's really just a way to get someone's attention kind of informally. Cause my brother and I, when we would wrestle, he'd be like, Juntea, and I'd be like, what bro? You know, and then I'd like, go, <laughs> go like get after him. Right. So I just thought it was a way to start a fight, but it was my own. I didn't realize, but now if somebody were to call out to me, Juntea, it would just feel so, um, Patrick, I think you said the word whole, right? Like when you kind of um, start using that that Korean name and, and seeing it places. Like for me, hearing that would be like, I feel like somebody was calling me home in some way, you know? Be like, right. Juntea, like, come here, you know? Like, I want to, like, it's so good to see you. Juntea, Juntea, you know? Like, mm-hmm. that that would mean so much to me. Um, so, yeah. So I think that that's, that's interesting. And with, um, <laughs> with a John Chi person who, who has messaging... <laughs> He, uh, you know, he's been a, a fantastic supporter of the show. And because he uses his Korean name, I got to refer to him as Hyung, right? Like older brother. So, um, and that was like, so to add that to his name and then for him to write back, uh, Junte Dongseng, you know, it's like little brother. Like that again is like <laughs> just a way of kind of entering into our relationship and, and calling each other in our Korean names in these safe spaces. Cause like, I don't want everybody to necessarily call me Junte. I thought about it. I thought that I did when I went to college and I was like, nah, that's going to be too weird. But I think there are ways in, when we can explore that and have this, uh, yeah, this, this connection of this, like, cause it's, it's unique, you know, when, when a, an adoptee or a loved one, um, calls mm-hmm. you that, you know, and I would stress right. like get their permission first, <laughs> like, but, <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, I think that that's funny that's story. And I don't want to make this intro too long, but, uh, how you kind of mentioned the young and, and, uh, addressing somebody like that as kind of a respect thing too. I didn't know about that when I first met my biological family. And I remember sitting there memorizing all my family's first names or full names, I guess you could say, to so that I could call them that. But in reality, I guess that's disrespectful and that I should have actually been saying, since I'm the youngest of seven, uh, I should have been saying Hayoung and Nuna. Uh, but instead, I, I was actually calling them by their first names and I didn't know that until, I, I don't know at what point I... I realized that it, it was definitely after I came home and after I had already called them all by their first names. And I, and it makes sense now because I remember one time I had said one of their first names and, and I was like calling out to them and they, they made like a joke about it. They kind of like, they kind of like joked and laughed about it saying that, that I was, they were like making fun of me for using their name, I guess, in a way. And I didn't know why. And now it makes sense that they were probably saying that because there's like, it's so out of the ordinary when they normally just call each other, you know, Nuna or, or Hyung or it's something to think about, I guess, yeah. as far as addressing um, other Koreans, like you said, to know what's respectful and what's not. So 
yeah, I'd be curious to see how everyone else, or however the other Janchi people are using <laughs> their Korean names. Have you reclaimed it? Have you used it? Um, yeah, I'd love to hear what everyone else is doing as well. I just want to say, um, one, when you talked about your reaction of feeling just really happy and release from changing your name uh, with your siblings in that conversation, and then just there when you were relaying that story, uh, I could just feel kind of the joy that you were feeling. Like you just had the biggest smile on your face and it made me really, really happy inside. So yeah, I'm really glad that we talked about this name or about names because we just kind of went all over the place, but <laughs> I like coming back, but it's just like coming back to it. Cause I felt like it was almost for a minute. There was a minute moment where I thought it was, I was about to get really heavy and then it came out of that. And then to feel, to go from that to just the, the pure joy that was on your face that just really made me happy so i just wanted to relay that to you because just all of this is an emotional journey for it's emotional for me specifically mm-hmm. uh and then i'm sure as it is for a lot of other people a lot of other adoptees um and particularly around names you know like that's something really important that a lot of people probably don't even think about for a long time mm-hmm. you know i didn't think about it for a long time so just to see your pure joy around it, around the name, and and you can get a laugh out of, you know, like uh, in terms of Knowing like my t- honorifics, <laughs> yeah, just like that, like it's, it just made it just made me really happy. So I just wanted to say, oh, that. thank you. Yeah, it's it's. I'm still learning. We're all. Yeah, learning, I think right? it's you know it can be something that's really sweet. And it can be something that's really heavy, and you never know until you enter into that discussion. Um, but I think names, like even in the way that you relate to people in Korean culture and what I've seen, <laughs> you know, watching K-dramas and stuff, that there is um, there is a real sense of like you call someone, you know, Kang uh, you know, Juntae-shi or, you know, whatever, until they, you have a discussion with them, even in Korean culture, be like, just call me Juntae, that's fine. You know, and that means like, oh, we're close enough that I'm okay with you dropping this. It it represents a level of familiarity, right? And so that um, names and, and the way that you re- talk to somebody really have a big, uh, like literally change the language for how you interact with a person, you know? Um, so I think it's a really beautiful thing. I wish that we, um, maybe it's just because I'm adopted, but I wish that we had a similar system in English, um, like a more formal, more robust system. Uh, it's what Minju talked about. Like when you, t- when you speak in Korean, you just kind of know your place. Cause you just like, you hear all of those things and you hear the, you know, whatever. And you just right. like, it's just really easy to get into the flow of that. So, um, yeah, well, this intro was all over the place, uh, but mas- mostly just about relationships and stuff. And we have uh, a really incredible interview with Jennifer, who um, has such a, a profound, unique story. Not that all of our stories haven't been unique, but this one is um, unique, even amongst the story of, of unique ones, just in, in where her life is at right now um, and, and where she's at in her uh, adopted journey. So let's jump into that right now. Yeah. Hey everybody, Patrick here, and I wanted to stop by really quickly to talk about the Hello Korea box. You've probably heard us talk about it on the show before. We've had founder Juliet Blake on the show with us to talk about the Hello Korea box, but we wanted to just bring it back up really quickly because we recently got our March box and there was a lot of cool stuff in there. Some things that we've had before on the show, the Nong Shim Shrimp Crackers, Pororo Churros uh, were in there. We also got a brand new ramen. That was the Samyang Hot Chicken Ramen, which was really, really fun to try. We also got a lot of other cool stuff in there, a BTS bracelet, a new pen, other 
other cool stuff that I'm not going to spoil for you because I want you to go to HelloKoreaBox.com right now and check it out for yourself. That's right. HelloKoreaBox.com. You can go and sign up for a monthly subscription or you can do a single month to just get one and try it out. See what it's like to get Korean culture sent to your home and put in your hands. Lovely packaging, really wonderful products, a really wonderful way to connect with Korean culture in a way that's accessible and easy. You can use the code JOHNCHI15 at checkout and you'll save 15% off of your order. So that's HelloKoreaBox.com. Use code JOHNCHI15 at checkout and we will see you in the next part of the show. We are here with Jennifer Patel. Um, Thank you for being on the show. And that's the show. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thanks for having me. This is my dream. Goodbye. <laughs> I got everything out I wanted to. My name, and that was it. And that was, we did it. it was inspiring and moving. Thank you. I wept openly. That was great. It's like WandaVision just... Oh, never mind. Spoilers. Sorry. Yeah, good call. Dead, dead. Sorry. All right, we're ready. The show... <laughs> Jennifer, welcome. Welcome <laughs> to the you. show again. <laughs> thank you for coming on. No, really. Uh, thank you for being on. We uh, start our shows pretty much the same way uh, all the time, where we essentially ask you a little about your adoption story and uh, you know whatever you'd like to share about that. Absolutely. Uh, I actually pulled out my paperwork because oh, I, it's been a while. Um it's been a while. Oh, it's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I actually don't know it that well. I kind of made up stories when I was younger to tell people. So, anyways, it says that I was born in Bucheon City, in a province that I looked on Google and no longer exists hmm. or doesn't show up. Maybe it's just spelled wrong. It's like the Kayungi province. I don't know. It's an area around Seoul. And I was uh, adopted almost five months. I I flew, was flown to Tulsa, Oklahoma through Dillon and moved or um, lived in Bartlesville, Oklahoma until I was in third grade. Yeah, Bartlesville. I know. Coincidentally, (laughs) I asked uh, Nathan if... Because he said small town Oklahoma and his dad worked, your dad worked for the petroleum company. Yep. And I was like, no one, <laughs> the only petroleum company and small town is Bartlesville. And so that was wild. Yes, um, when you sent us that message, my my mind was literally blown because I was like, I, I mean, sure, Dylan is a yes. large adoption agency. There's right. very likely that there was other adoptees in my town, even other than just the two of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but know. I never met anyone. And so, <laughs> right. yeah, to hear that, that you, not only that, you lived literally, I think about two miles probably from where I lived. It, right. I mean, again, two it miles? Is, it's a pretty small town, but <laughs> she lived across the street, across, like over, I mean, I could have ro- rode my bike over to that area because that's how close it was. Wow. Um, and probably did actually. But And funny, KJ and Patrick, and I... I asked my mom if she knew the Nowak family, if she remembered them from Bartlesville. And she said that her social worker um, or our social worker had actually sent my parents to Nathan's parents' house to meet with them (laughs) and like 
see how adoption and the, you know, like how it played out, like to see if they would be like to see if everything was okay. And if they wanted to continue to like pursue adoption through Korea. So my I'm parents- so happy that it was okay, that I wasn't a misfit and that they decided yeah, and to get they realized they're like, you know what, this, little, this, this young boy walks funny. If we're going to be like, if it's going to be like this kid over here, no, yeah. no, thank you. Uh, no, no, no. She said that you like were- a normal walker. <laughs> he was young. She said he was only four or five and he had just like any average four or five-year-old boy, he had absolutely no interest in hanging out or talking or being in the room. He just wanted to play. And I so think I was like that till I was in my twenties, but yes, continue. <laughs> yeah. This is interesting. You, you, you're, so what you're saying to me is that four and five year old boys don't like hanging out with adults. They do not. <laughs> Wild. Not interested. Uh, so they talked to his sister, his older sister, who was maybe eight or nine at the time. And I mean, again, what can an eight or nine year old offer? I'm just trying to replay like how strange <laughs> what kind of this questions probably they would have was asked. to yeah. you guys to have like this other couple come in and just like observe you. <laughs> Apparently it's super um, traumatic for Nathan since he blocked it out of his memory. I didn't remember it, but at the same time, I'm, my parents said they had a few families come by, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. I mean, they didn't have reality TV back then, so. Right. <laughs> yeah, was, like, was your family like a zoo? He was, bo- he was busy, so. <laughs> yeah, your parents were the mom. The standard. Um, And so I I just thought that was wild. Had I lived there a little longer, because we moved when I was in third grade to to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, um, to Grapevine. And if I had just lived in Bartlesville just like a little bit longer, like I might have run into Nathan at Bronze. I know. You know, uh, it's so wild. When I was yeah. working welcome, there. Welcome to the Brahms Boys podcast featuring Jimmy <laughs> Clark. Yeah, we were the Brahms Boys for a hot <laughs> second at the beginning of the show. I haven't had uh, dinner. I might pick that up, actually. You can, oh, That's don't good. tell me that. Don't make me jealous now. Come on. I love Brahms. I have friends who still send me photos every time they go there sometimes. So, uh. Uh, Jennifer, you might appreciate this. I can buy Whataburger spicy ketchup here in town now, so oh, that's nice. been a real treat. Yeah, when so you come have, back, I could have Brahms burgers and Whataburger spicy ketchup. Just mix it up. Nice. Like I almost feel like I'm home. Yeah. When you come back, it'll be here. Yeah. Um, so your parents came over. They didn't. They weren't uh, scared they, away, they were not and scared they away. continued with Dylan to move forward and adopt adopt you. So. Yes. And really, I have a question for you. How oh. did you escape? Bartlesville. Oh, dip. Without an accent. None taken. Without an accent. So Without there's video. There's video of me when I'm six-ish, and my sister, who is a baby, her name is Laura, and I said something. I said, "Laura, stop fussing," but I said it like this. I said, "Laura, stop fussing." Like it was wow. so accented. And I thought, what if I had lived there longer and looked like this and talked like that? Like that would have been wild. Did you have an accent and you lost it? Or I, I might have had some that that I lost, but I know I do say certain words sometimes. And I also know that when I go back, sorry. You know what I meant. Certain words with an accent. Sometimes I use words. Sometimes I sometimes I use words from books. But no, I sometimes use specific words that that have a little twang to it. Uh, especially when I go back to visit my sister, who still lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So uh, when I go back, I do hear it, and I but I don't I don't think I use it. My parents didn't have one, and I think that's mainly the reason why I didn't have one is because my parents didn't have one. Got it. Uh, and that. 
I, I don't know, honestly. And then, you know, college in Colorado and then California. So the majority of time I, I just either blocked it out or <laughs> repressed it. Yeah, I don't know. I know I have friends who have very thick accents. I yes. Mean, it, yeah. So stop fussing. It was so funny. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't believe I talked like that. I lost mine when we came to Texas. So that's a good thing. I, I think. mean, you did move to the big city. So that is true. <laughs> some people, some people are like, KJ, why don't you have an accent? I was like, I live in like the headquarters of corporate America. Like there's right. not an accent there. Right. <laughs> like, there's, there's 80 million mm-hmm. accents there. <laughs> but I do say things like fixing to, which none of my family does. Fixing so. to. Hmm. I'm fixing to. That's a good one. Um, so I moved to Grapevine, started third grade in Grapevine. Um, uh, my, so my parents, after they adopted me, you know, they adopted me because they were having trouble conceiving and then, um, had another adoption in the works in a, like in the United States, um, nationally. And then they were like, just kidding. We're pregnant. And so I have a brother, a younger brother, and then three years behind him, I have a younger sister who are both biological to my parents. And so uh, we couldn't look more different. They are blonde. They have green eyes. They are tall. So anyways, so that's my family. And then we moved to Grapevine, just like most other adoptees. It was all white. And um that was my experience really to be surrounded by like majority because I went to Texas A&M for college um which is also largely white and there's more diversity but I I didn't I wasn't looking for it um and then I didn't really interact with people of color until I started teaching in a like a title one school and so I had co-workers who were people of color so that was kind of my first people of color friends. Um, my husband was in med school at the time. Um, and so that introduced friends that were people of color and then, um, my students, obviously. Yeah, that's, that's really it. I, I was named, uh, like the, the story that they offer up is, is pretty much just like all the rest of our stories. Mom got pregnant young, couldn't keep a baby, unmarried and financially support and so was given up i feel like that's the most general story that they give out i think to to most yeah yeah i don't i don't actually trust most anything that's written here based on just (laughs) things that i've heard other adoptees say once they find out like if they ever have reunions or find out more information usually it seems like it's a lot different I wasn't even named by my mom. It says I was named by the social worker, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like a like an SBCA animal that's been picked up. You know, like where is she going? She's she's going to Oklahoma. We'll name her Boomer Sooner. You know, like just came up with something. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> so that's why I used to make up the story when I was younger to people who asked because I didn't even really know, and so I just kind of made up whatever I wanted. So that's. That's pretty much it. I I finished college at AM, married my husband, uh, who's Indian, like first generation Indian. And we have two children that I did not have. So we can talk about that in a minute. <laughs> yes, we will touch on that. Uh, yeah. I wanted to go a little bit into the, the story. I, I think I have a very similar paper that says 
you know, some things like that, but it had a couple extra additional things, which I need to go find mine too. I haven't looked at it in a while. Um, have, have you, has there been any interaction, I guess, with Dylan about your adoption at all? Yes. So when I went to pick up my son in Korea in 2012, I decided to kind of start the search process or I, I turned in the paperwork to Dylan to have them look like to open the files because I thought, well, I'm going to be there anyway. Maybe they'll find something and we can, you know, knock this out. And so they came back and said that the woman that they found that had the like equivalent social security, whatever the equivalent of social security number is in Korea that matched the paperwork, they, they got in touch with her and it was not the woman. And so they said, but we did find your foster mom. So you can meet with her when you come to Eastern. And so we did that. And that was weird. Um, I kind of think, was she really? <laughs> I don't, I'm so distrusting. Like, do they have this old woman they just keep at the office and they're like, all right, send her in. Like, Yikes. and she's like, oh, I remember you. And I don't know. I don't know many statistics about foster mothers in, in Korea. I don't know how many kids they are foster parents to. Because um, I, I think, I can't remember, I think, I thought I saw a story a while back where they had been foster moms for like six, seven, eight kids during their um, time with the agency or when they were helping out. So, yeah, I don't know if they are doing it like, like, are they, do they feel like a babysitter nanny style feel to it? Is it, do they have more of a connection with the children? And, you know, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious to find out more information about foster moms. I know KJ, you met your foster mom, right? When you were over yeah, there? Yeah, I have, uh, I have photos. So I, I did know that it was the same woman. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, you have and, photos. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And there was another baby who I believe she was fostering at the time too. Um, and when I met, <clears throat> when I met her, it was fairly emotional for her. I was just like, Oh, Hey, you're the woman from, from my photos and you have an age of today. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, she said that I was the first one of her foster kids to come back and meet her. Oh, um, that's very so, sweet. And then I met, I met with her and uh, her youngest daughter, um, and she said that, like, her daughters had helped foster. So I'm sure that they've had, you know, a number um, in mm -hmm. a, a similar fashion to the American foster system. But, mm -hmm. yeah. That's, it's fairly common. I think in Dan Matthews' documentary, his foster mom, when he met her, said the same thing, I believe, at the agency, that she mm -hmm. had fostered like six or seven kids or something mm -hmm. but she remembered him uh a lot yeah. so i remember that That's being awesome. really powerful in that documentary yeah yeah i don't even know if i had if i mean i assume i did because i was there for same amount of time five months mm -hmm. um, before i was uh, adopted but yeah i might have had one but i haven't seen any paperwork that puts a name or or any information so i feel like when we were younger it probably they could have more because we didn't stay there as long like we were flown over at a younger age Whereas my son, when we went to pick him up, he was almost two years old. And so if you're keeping, if you're fostering a child for almost two years, that's going to be, you know, a lot less kids probably that you foster over time. For sure. So you decided to look into it and then I guess the foster mom was the end. Have you thought about anything else in addition to that or uh, have you done any 23andMe? I have not. I have the paperwork for the Korean consulate, like DNA stuff. It's been sitting on my desk for a year, like when quarantine hit last year. And like last year when I first found that there were 
like the CAD community and like found all the groups because I didn't even know they existed. I got all like amped up. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to search. And then that it's, I have done nothing. And I'm actually kind of glad that they didn't find her. Well, I'm glad that it didn't work out on that trip because I was so anxious and stressed out about everything else. I think that that would have just been too much. Like, I don't yeah. think that I could have, <laughs> my head would have exploded. Um, it would have been a lot to take on to like do everything. So maybe there are things I would like to know, but again, I, I'm not real optimistic that it would turn anything up. But then it was last year where you started doing more research on just the adoption community itself. And, yes. and uh, when you, is that when you would consider your, your out of the fog moment was last year? Um, so Actually, sort of the adoption of my son kind of started to sort of build up these events that kind of pushed me out. And then kind of in this like confusing time where I like wasn't sure what to do, then I started searching actively for resources. And um, that's when I found the groups. And it was it was awesome. Where did you start looking? Um, so first I read like Nicole Chung's book. That's the first thing I did. Um, my husband had bought it for me. All you can ever know, I think. Yes. So my husband had left that on my nightstand, which I let sit there for almost like over a year, probably. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> and like just started reading it. And I just remember like pausing after after so many pages and thinking, I can't believe this. I can't believe that someone is verbalizing, you know, like all of these things. And so I was like, this is insane. And so that's kind of what sparked my interest to like search. And, um, you know, I started on Facebook because there's a group on everything for Facebook. And so I typed in like Korean adoptees. And of course there's a group. Like, why wouldn't there be a group? I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't believe that I had never thought of it before. <laughs> um, and so then I just, you know, like a rabbit hole, just kind of like, Next and next and next. What was your initial impression of the community when you first started to find those groups? What what what, what did you first? What were your first experiences like? Uh, it was super overwhelming, and I would say that even now it's really overwhelming. I mostly am. I, I've kind of like veered away from the Facebook group and have gone over to Instagram um, and started following people. And you know, you can sit down and someone links something to somebody else to link something to somebody else. And like 30 <laughs> yeah. minutes later, you're 16 people deep from like where you started. Um, and there's just got nothing on this. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much information and there's so many resources and there's so many people sharing their stories. And um, it's amazing. I like to bask in that like echo chamber because it just feels so good to like, be seen um but but then also i have to like put it away because it's like too much <laughs> right and you're like i also am raising children and i'm exactly and i have a life yeah. of my own <laughs> they're coming in and they're like hey what's for dinner and i'm like oh yeah like, i like, thought I, it was I, three and now it's five exactly that's exactly what it is yeah we definitely have those moments we i think patrick specifically is the most uh, involved in all of these these research projects right now and oh my so goodness we, it's we, amazing we get to see through his eyes what 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 he's diving into and uh and learning from that which i really appreciate actually absolutely Dude, get out of my I, eyes I know, 
Yeah, and so Patrick, when I first started, so I didn't find y'all's show until you were like 20 episodes in, like it was like end of January. And so as I was like binging all these episodes, I got to really see the progression. And when it first started, like out in the beginning, I was like, whoa, Patrick and I are like in the same, I I like relate to where he is, like this is new. And he's like, gonna start this journey. And then like, you just like took off. You were like, you just <laughs> it's like sprinted. Wild, right? mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have just done so much in this very short amount of time. And it's amazing. Like, I love reading your stuff and I've learned so much. Well, I really I appreciate well. that. Um, yeah, I think uh, what you said about being very, it being very overwhelming at first and having to put it away, um, I think that's something I've been coming upon a, a lot more lately uh, where I've had to step away a little bit more often and uh, check myself emotionally just because it feels great. And then I'll actually maybe not do something um, community related for uh, like a six hour period. And then I'll just feel really sad or really just like emotionally downtrodden for some reason. And I'm just like, what is going on? And then I'm like, Oh, where well, you just read a bunch of history stuff and you just had, two four hour long conversations with 30 other people talking about a lot of this stuff. And it's like, you don't give your, and then you're going and hanging out with your, with your partner and uh, trying to figure out your, your life. And you're not taking any time to just be like, Oh, I'm just like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm just like, there's other stuff going on too. And, and then with everything going on in the community, you know, it's just like one thing after the other. And then for me, you know, yeah, it was very much a sprint. And then, instead of finding the spaces to slow down it was like there's just something new kept coming up like very relevant news and it wasn't like oh i can just go back to this history it's like well now we're caught up in the moment of history like history is literally being made you know what are we doing or what am i doing to be a part of that or uh you know to make sure we're doing better i guess because that's what we're trying to do so yeah i really appreciate that and i really appreciate you saying just about you know taking that space for yourself because that's something I definitely want to impress on people that have listened to the show like you have or since the beginning. Um, just that, yeah, I'm sometimes I'm tired, very, very tired. <laughs> you got to step away sometimes. When you said yesterday or whenever, you know, like I feel I've been learning so much. And at the same time, I feel like I'm learning nothing. That is like exactly like I will read all this stuff and I'll feel so connected. And then like the next day I'm like, am I like any further in this? I have no idea. (laughs) Oh yeah. Because it feels like you almost for, because you're taking in so much information. It can feel like you almost forget what you've just read. And then you wake up the next day and I'm like pushing forward. But right now I even find myself going back, reading the books that I've already read to like, okay, I'm like, am I, am I citing this person correctly? Like, you know, I'm like, am I really fully understanding this? Like I need to go back again. And it's like, well, if you would have did this stuff in college, instead of playing video games, playing Skyrim <laughs> and watching Doctor Who like a fool, you would have been fine. But no, <laughs> it's fine. No. That's, that that's exactly necessary. what you said, that, Jennifer, where, where you do, you go and you find some resources and then you l- click a link and you find another resource. You click a link. It's I feel like that's been the um, the thing for me as well. And and I'm trying really hard to to stop at some point where I'm you know, not doing too much research and I am, you know, enjoying my life and my kids and things like that. And I'm trying not to talk. Hey, congratulations, man. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. I'm trying not to talk too much about it to Allison as well. Like my wife, I, I feel like every time I, you know, something new comes up, I want to like explain, explain it to her. But then at the same time, it's like, oh, she might 
want to hear it on the show or maybe maybe i shouldn't explain too much like like a spoiler alert like of what's coming on the show <laughs> like like i feel like i'm always talking about it you know it's like when you first get into a relationship and all you can do is talk about the the relationship to the other to other people and they're like oh, all right we get it we get it you're <laughs> You're dating well, absolutely. someone. Absolutely. Do you guys feel like so with our spouses and your fiance Patrick, where I'm like a different person. And like I had never thought about any of this. So you're right okay. like to process all of this from like when we got married and we were meeting, like I never thought about any of this. Like I had yeah. no intention or desire to like find out anything or learn anything. Mm-hmm. And so we're not the same people. And I know Married people change over time anyways together, relationships, but you're right. I'm like, I do feel like every time I talk to Vivek, I'm just like talking about all this stuff. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, you know, like, so for Sarah and I, like we have gone through a lot of life change together, you know, from freshmen and sophomores in high school to graduating and then going to college and then getting our first jobs and moving away and, you know, and all that stuff. And so the... The description that I always used was like for as much as, and we were, you know, long distance for most of our, our dating relationship. So the description that I always used to explain us was like, we, as much as we change and the world changes around us, we were always anchored to each other. Um, and so like, we just had kind of always committed to holding on to each other and changing with each other and, and, and keeping that in mind. But now like I have this incredible, almost guilt, um, not, not so much with Sarah, but with the rest of my family and, and people who, uh, have a long relationship with me. I mean, even with the people here, um, that like when they met me, especially for the people here, um, but for people back in, uh, in Texas is like when they met me or how they knew me, I was a certain person. And now I feel like I have done a complete 180. And it's a lot of wrestling and, and working through like just identity work on our own shoulders, you know, to be like, who the fork are we now? You know? Um, <laughs> but then it's, it's, it's like equally as important, you know, um, like if you come to a place where like, this is who I am, this is how I see myself then like that's that's so good and and that's that's great work but then it's equally important i think uh for the people that love you to see you as this new person and to recognize that you have changed and you have gone through this metamorphosis and yet it causes a similar cognitive dissonance in their minds that they weren't ready for and because like for me like because i have the power to not force them to go on that journey i'm like do I say anything like, you know, like I don't want to like bait and switch them except like, you know, like for my parents, like you adopted me into this, you know, but like, as like even in a, in a lesser relationship, like for, for my work, like when my work hired me, I was basically a white person, you know? Mm-hmm. And now like when I leave, I'm, I leave as the only person of color on staff. And like, that's just such a big mental shift, you know? And just um, even uh, some people are like, so how do I, how do I talk to you about this stuff? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how to talk to me about this stuff, you know? And so, so I, I'm, I'm curious, I mean, Nathan's kind of expressed it in having, um, Allison, but, um, what's been your experience in talking with this? And I don't know how much, uh, race plays into your kind of identity journey right now, or if it's kind of more adoption like Patrick, but what's been, what have been some of those conversations been like with your husband and, and like, how have, how has being married to another person of color, like affected how this journey has been for you? So, he's actually the one that has pushed me over the years to like search and to like Mm. find out more. And at first he would ask me, or, you know, he would wonder like, why didn't want to find out more? And because he 
is first generation, he had to basically kind of teach his parents English while learning English and going to school. And like, he's so comfortable switching back and forth between his Indian culture and his American culture, because he was right, you know, like simultaneously. And so, you know, he was always wondering why, you know, why I wasn't but but like one of your guests, Nick was saying, like, I've just never talked about it. I tried so hard to be white, and fit in and deny like um everything that now i i do wonder what are my friends going to think like was this always an issue do they even know who i am um because there were things that were issues when i was younger and i just sort of like pushed it pushed it away um but i and and like you guys have talked about i didn't have the language to express how I was feeling, even if I wanted to, you know, how does a, how does a six-year-old tell their mom that they feel lonely or they feel left out or ugly or whatever? Um, when we don't even understand that young, like what we're going through anyways. And so, um, I kind of find it amazing that we all just sort of were taught to survive using these coping mechanisms and no one ever taught us. We like figured it out ourselves at such a young age, um, kind of how to power through and protect ourselves and like protect our adoptive parents and just kind of like maneuver through our lives, like seemingly alone. Cause we all kind of grew up in these parallel lives where we were experiencing the same feelings, a lot of the same feelings, but we didn't know each other. <laughs> you know, we were all surrounded in this white community and had no idea how to express feelings. Um, and so now as I go through this kind of like identity finding and, and trying to be better and establish a trusting, open relationship for my adopted son, because I don't want that for him. I want him to always feel like he can talk about whatever, and come to us with those hard feelings. You know, I do worry. My friends are probably like, we don't know how to talk to you about this because I've never talked about it ever. Um, and same thing with my family. My dad is deceased now, but like, I never told my mom like any of these things. So I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of scary to think about. You know, you talked about us being on, like when you listen to the show, you and I particularly resonating on the same level, being at the same point in your journey. And, you know, everything you just said right there is currently something that I am also struggling with, um, particularly when it comes to having these conversations with my friends, um, because I'm still friends with a lot of the people I was friends with in, in, when I went to high school. And, um, you know, the hardest thing was, yes, that feeling of loneliness uh, at that point, even though I was surrounded myself with people, with friends, uh, to fit in, to be accepted. That's when you start, when I started to internalize like the jokes and make the jokes first and all of this, all of this nonsense and never, because I never had the language or anything to talk about this with them. And, you know, when I would lash out emotionally, it was like, Oh, well, there goes Pat, there goes Pat again, you know, acting, acting all crazy. And at, back then I thought it was that, you know, I thought I was like, just that something was going on, you know, or whatever, you know, I was just, just emotional that's basically what it boils down to it's like that's me i'm an emotional person and i fly off the handle for not very much and now in this past year having learned a lot of this stuff uh 
starting to not only uh, see myself as Asian American and as a Korean American, but as an adoptee as well, and understanding like the inherent traumas that come with that, uh, you know, starting to broach these conversations with my friends is extremely difficult because they don't know. They have no idea when I bring stuff up like this, what I'm talking about. And it's honestly more the friends of friends of my friends that understand it more because they take on, I'll say I've had conversations where they're genuinely curious and not in like a, not in like a white person, like, oh, I'm going to ask you this really, really disrespectful questions after this because I don't know. It was just like, it was like genuine follow-up and it was really cool to see. But again, that was like almost, it was an extension of my friends, not the people that I consider like my friends, my core friend group. So still navigating that and kind of the same with my parents too, still navigating like, how do you have that? Because I'm just like you, Jennifer, I never talk about any of this. If anything, everybody said I grew up really, I was well adjusted, a term that I've now grown to dislike a lot. And, um, you know, I was just like kind of the happy go lucky person, but I really was very lonely for for a lot of that period. Um, even though I've made it seem like I wasn't because I was loud and laughed a lot. Also cried a lot. So yeah, I just wanted to say that I resonated with them. It, same thing with the self-deprecating jokes, the racist things. If I can control all of that, if I can say it first, you can't say it to me. Right. It's like self-protection. Like if I can get it all out there in the open and tell you, yeah, I'm adopted, my white family, and we all have a good laugh, like that's me controlling the situation. And um, my friends, I imagine, would be like, Wait, so we like spent how many hours together growing up and like nothing. <laughs> you never said anything. But again, how do you how do you even say it? How do you even talk about that stuff? <laughs> I think it's so wild because like when you're younger, your friendships are literally based on the things that you share in common, you know? Or it's like uh you know what, this friend group is super different than my world experience and I need to rebel against you know, like my current, like my given worldview and find out who I am, you know? Um, and so, yeah, like to your point earlier, you're like, what six-year-old knows how to say, hey, mom, you know what? I'm feeling super lonely because I realized that nobody, even the people who look like me, like other Asians, don't have the same lived experience of being adopted and feeling white. That Like no six-year-old is that intelligent, you know? Uh, I mean, arguably a six-year-old is that intelligent, but like for a six-year-old to be that intelligent and to have that life experience and then for a parent to be like, hey, you know what? kid i see you and i understand that because i too am a you know like like there's, there's so much nuance and so many layers that have to perfectly fall in place that it, it's just the odds of it happening are so improbable and so yeah it is hard when you're like like my friends you know like i went to the same church uh for 18 years and i was like so those are my closest friends and i'm like how do i talk to you about uh being adopted when like we never talked about that but like that's just not a thing that we had to worry about hello ellie <laughs> <laughs> Yay, animals in zoo. I don't know if you can see her. No, okay, great. <laughs> Anyways, uh, she might actually hop up on the back of the chair. Um, yeah, so it's just, it's so much. And, and there's something about, as you were talking about, oh, there she is. Uh, there's something about while you were talking about your husband being first generation that I was like, oh, he is used to code switching. He's yes. used to mm -hmm. flipping Absolutely. between 
uh, white America and his family and his family's culture and, and all of that. And, and that is a language that that's a, a skill that we all are learning uh, and also unlearning, you know, mm-hmm. that um, well-adjusted, quote unquote, is really just a, a misnomer, like a, an AKA, what's that, a uh, synonym um, for assimilated, you know, and uh, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> <laughs> for the for the listener, uh, KJ's cat yeah. Ellie is just tailing him right in his face, smacking him in the face with his with her yeah. tail. Tail whip was super effective. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, like you said, KJ, we are kind of avoiding that and have always avoided that. Well, yeah, yeah. and it's just it's tough too because um, being raised by white parents, like from a white point of view, you never have to think about race. So, like, your white parents don't have to have that language. They've never needed that language. They don't have to have that point of view. And then, like, for people of color, like, you kind of always have that language or, like, you're given that language at a very early age. And so for us being stuck in the middle of that, you're like, uh, I don't know. And and there's no one that you can talk to because at that – especially especially if you're younger because kids don't have the nuance that adults do. And also, like, right. adults don't have the nuance that they should, right? So it's like mm-hmm. if you go and, and you talk to an Asian and they're like, why aren't you more Korean? You're like, well, my – like uh, white parents and, and all that stuff and they like they don't understand but then also like your white parents are like i don't understand why is it important for you to be korean like they've not like like learning a new culture is just like oh this is a fun like thought experiment right. or this is a fun mm-hmm. like you know whereas like for your husband and and nathan probably for allison is just like no this this is my family this is yeah. my blood this is it's a thing that, that courses through yeah exactly is like, what this it is. defines my world view it's not a fun le- thought experiment for me this has to be a part of who we are mm-hmm. and yet we're like i don't know how to how to do that and so. we all grew up in such a colorblind community you know where it was like oh well you know everyone's equal and we don't see color we don't see Mm -hmm. race and like maybe patrick said like we internalized that and we were able to just like erase that for ourselves and and also not think about race but except we did have to think about it because we were different (laughs) right yeah i had that conversation with my parents and they said that they thought that that was correct is essentially mm-hmm. that we shouldn't look at color and we that we shouldn't look at uh, our skin and we should just accept everybody as humans and i can see what their point is on that uh, as far as how you treat everybody but physically we are different well it I just mean, denies visually, so much yeah, about who right. you are yes. you know like the colorblindness is like oh well i mean you're black but that doesn't matter you know <laughs> right. like that's not yeah. that's not the, like i get how that's good sounding but that's not the most right you know because if you're black and that doesn't matter then you it leads you into well i'll use a different part of my identity because i think it's easier for people to understand like so so my right hand is missing a finger looks like this for the viewers at home um which is <laughs> only the people <laughs> in the podcast literally none of you can see this but this is the podcast um, part yeah yeah, yeah. All right, i'm not recording video <laughs> uh no no no. i know so but uh mostly for gen's sake but uh so like for if my parents had decided oh well we don't see your disability then they would just like 
put me into football camps. They'd like go and find me a piano tutor. They would do this, that, and the other, and totally not acknowledge that I'm going to have a much harder time doing certain physical things because my hand is the way that it is, right? And so, like, if they just like, oh, well, we don't see disability. And they're like, but then I'm going to struggle a whole lot, and a lot of this could have been avoided if you just seen my disability and be like, hey, right. you know what? Let me let me do some things that will actually help you out, you know? And it's the exact same thing with race. that To say that, oh, well, I don't see color is like, well, then – we're going to struggle and you could have done things about this. And it's just not, you know, it, it, it makes it really tough. And I remember when you actually messaged us for the first time and we, we made a comment about you should come on the show and you were like, no, oh, but I don't have anything to provide to the show. But then you said at some point, but I did adopt my kids. And I thought, <laughs> well, this is, you're like, oh, oh, this is, I mean, this is amazing. You actually are our first adoptee who has adopted themselves. Uh, so, gone through that process and everything tell us about that adoptee and- who has adopted yes sorry has Patrick adopted. Gave- i was like he was I like can't wait a minute really wait. speak words adoptee who was sometimes he sometimes he uses sentence. certain words yeah just <laughs> edit it later so that it makes sense please kj just thank edit you it out. just edit yeah just put <laughs> um, it together it sense. i got it so when we decided to start trying to have children um it turns out that for whatever reasons there's no like certain reason it's just like up in the air um or unknown i guess combined with issues my husband and i are infertile as a couple um and so i thought that really sucked (laughs) as uh like as an adoptee who has never seen like a blood relative or met you know, I thought it was really shitty that that was how it was going to be, you know, um, that that was not going to happen for me. And so we, I mean, obviously I wanted to be a mother. I was a teacher. I love children. Um, you know, I, I wanted to be a mother. And so, you know, your options are adopt or IVF. I mean, it's, it's bizarre because it was like being, in the exact same place as like many adoptive parents who adopt, like Mm -hmm. that's me now. Um, And I wasn't really thinking, like I was still not thinking about my adoption and the repercussions and, you know, I'm still kind of in the fog at that point. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm adopted. I'm fine. Let's do it. And, you know, I knew enough to know that I needed to adopt like a Korean child, because that person was going to need a mirror, you know, like, I did not want a child to grow up, you know, like me without mirrors. And so I thought that was going to be enough. Like, I'm adopted. I know how it is. I've experienced it. We're gonna, we're gonna look alike, you know, like, this is going to work out. This is going to be okay. So we went through Dylan also, the same place, which was, again, bizarre. And that's for another time. Um, So we adopt him and we have to go there and pick him up. And, you know, we waited for about, we matched with him when he was about seven months old and we had to wait a year. Uh, The Korean government grants travel visas to the babies. And now they only do a certain number per year. And so they do it by quarter. And once you hit the number of visas that they've given out by quarter, um, and this was obviously a long time ago, it's probably changed since then too. Um, But when we were adopting, uh, once they hit that number, 
uh, it shut down and you had to wait till the next one. And so we ended up waiting over a year to go get him and got him around 19 months. And it made me wonder. So we went there and we didn't spend a whole lot of time there. Um, I'm a homebody. I don't love to travel. I, <laughs> I'm a control freak and I don't like to go places where like I don't know what's going on. And so to go to a foreign country um, where I'm not going to know the language and anything was very overwhelming to me even though it's like where I came from and I was kind of excited to like be a, the majority, you know, and kind of see what it's like. Um, I also know that I was going to be like, I hate this. Get me out of here. Um, and so we only stayed for like five days, maybe kind of toured sightseed for, for two of the days, picked him up, stayed a night and then left. And I wonder if our parents, so I don't blame our parents for anything I just, I feel like they didn't know, you know, like they, the times there wasn't a lot of research, the adoptees that were being adopted weren't adults yet like us. So we can talk about this. There wasn't a lot of information. So all the things they did to love us and raise us, they did, I think the best they could. And so when I went to Eastern and we stayed at the welfare center, we stayed at Eastern, I just wonder if our parents had had to go and pick us up, cause you know, we were all flown here. And so they just, for them, it was literally like a new beginning. They're getting a baby off a plane. Like it starts there. Big metal stork. Yes. Yeah. And I wonder if they would have had to go to Korea and see, you know, like what it entails. If, if that would have changed things, because I'll tell you, um, it is not, it is traumatic for everybody to be responsible for ripping a child, in this case, a toddler who is almost two years old, who's about to start speaking Korean, who's, who's, who's saying words, you know, like babbling. Pre-Korean languages. Yes. Yeah. That whole time of development in a child where they're, where they're listening and they understand everything and they're just starting to talk, uh, to rip that child away from like everything he knows or they know um that is a lot <laughs> that is it it's it is it is very traumatic for the child most of all but also for for everyone involved you know and i will just never forget that day it's not like like our parents are all smiling and they have like newspaper articles and it's so happy and I can tell you that it is not like that. It is, it is sad. And then you bring him home to like an entirely different place where they have no idea what's going on and you can't explain it to them. And they're like a guest in your house and they don't want to be there. And they are looking for literally anything that is familiar and there's nothing. And that's heartbreaking. So anyways, that was really hard. And it took, a, it took a while for everybody to adjust and start the relationship building as parents and son. And so anyways, I just wanted to say that it's, it's I get it. <laughs> Nothing that we do, even from then on, is ever going to replace that almost two years, you know, that he had. And even though he was living with a foster family, like, that was his family as far as he was concerned. He didn't know 
they're just babies, you know? And, and when my husband and I were told, you know, like, you're going to wait a while, they're going to be older. I was so desperate for a child that two years sounded like nothing. I'm like, Oh, two years, that's young. Um, but since having a biological son and watching him grow up and hit those milestones, two years is incredible. There is so much that happens in two years. It's amazing how much they change and how much they learn and the bonding. And I just, it made me sad all over again, raising the baby, thinking we missed out on all of this. And this, this is all the things that he was doing in Korea with his foster family, like before he came here, you know, so much, so much bonding. Listening to you tell that story and that experience, you know, that's one of the most powerful stories uh, that we've, I feel like have heard told uh, here on the show over 30 or 27, 28 interviews. I think that not only was it powerful, I think this is a necessary thing uh, for listeners of our show to hear. Um, we had a conversation earlier about, you know, expanding our, expanding the, the, the people that we uh, interview on the show to include maybe adoptive parents potentially, or people from the agency, you know, and I, and me, I'm, I was a little hesitant to expand outside the adoptive perspective just because of what, you know, what I think of the purview of the ethos of the show is. And, you know, you, you provide an extremely unique perspective. And I think hearing you tell that uh, your experience and, you know, of having adopted and having went through that process is something that like was viscerally powerful to me. And the whole time you were you you were relaying that, all I could sit here and think was, you know, what if my like what if my parents had heard this story, you know, and and had and and applied that or had that thought process go through their heads or or, or you know before adopting. And it was a different time and I agree just like you said, you know, I don't hold anything against my parents. I think they did a great job with especially with the tools and resources and access to those things that they had. You know, I think they did a wonderful job. Um I love my family, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, I've read a lot about adoption history and the pa practices that were used by agencies and different people and, and you know, the the bad. I've read about a lot of the bad stuff, but I haven't read a whole lot about specific adoptive parent experiences where they go to Korea and or go to a, a country to adopt a child and have that experience. So I want to I just wanted to say all of that to say that it takes an incredible amount of bravery to share something like that to be able to work up the strength and courage to to come on and, and share something like that with three strangers, you know, three people that you don't know. Um, but we do, I mean, we ha do have a certain connection. And I think that that right there doesn't justify you have needing to come on the show and share, you know, I think your story is incredibly interesting, even without that specific experience. But I think that story right there is one of the reasons that I personally do the show is because you know, there, there's experiences that, as I say, everybody is so unique. All of our stories are so unique. You're never going to hear the same thing twice. Uh, you're going to hear similar themes and whatever, but everybody has something that just makes their story incredibly unique to them. And that right there was it. And I just want to commend you on sharing that with us. I know it wasn't easy, but it's just, it gives me a lot of courage and bravery or want the want the desire to be that and, and to share and to do more and to, and to work more, to uncover more stories like this um, when people are ready and to share those with our audience, with other audiences, because it's important. 
people need to hear perspectives like yours and the experiences like you went through. So thank you um, for sharing that with us. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even though we were younger, when we came here, it, it's the same, you know, raising a biological child, think of all the things that happens, Nathan, you know, with your babies, by the time they're four and five months, think of all of the things that have been established in that time. And, you know, I challenge you to maybe go back, I went back and looked at some of my baby pictures around the time that I had first come here. And some of the, like, looks on my face that are, that are kind of candid and captured that aren't, smiling I noticed that like I had like concerned looks I I made some of the faces in the pictures as a baby that I make now when I'm like upset or confused or and I think that even though we came here young you know I think it just proves like me seeing this that there was still we still knew that something was not right that something was off and you know, again, I I just wonder if our parents had gone to pick us up and seen this, um, if it would if it would have made a difference faster. My my parents say the same thing when I was little that even though I was adopted at six months old, my mom would hold me and I wouldn't look her in the eye. I wouldn't look at her face. Uh, she was not familiar to me, and and you know because she, she's blonde, and that entire six months. I was probably held by a foster mom or, or somebody at, at the, the center. And so she, she always wondered about that, I think. Um, and I don't know at what point I, I came around and, and changed. But yeah, the impressions that you have during those times as a child, as a baby, those are very long lasting memories, even if you can't remember them yourself now. Um, and so, yeah, there's definitely got to be some differences in ages when people are adopted. And um now, I also have to, on top of what Patrick said, I also have to commend you just for the fact that you did adopt from Korea as well. Like you said, that you were aware that you wanted uh, an adopted child that had a mirror. And I, I again, I think that is that is amazing. And um, it's something that my wife and I also looked at when we first uh, had some infertility problems as well. Uh, we eventually went through IVF. And so my first son was actually IVF. Um, but we did look at adopting from Korea and um, same exact reasons and the things that, that you said. And um, we didn't get as far as that. Uh, the adoption, the only adoption part we actually did was we, while we were looking at adoptions, we actually adopted a bunny. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> I, I, yeah. <laughs> when we looked up adoption, one of the words that came up was adopt a bunny today. And so... Uh, <laughs> You're like, that for some sounds odd good. reason that we're like, well, sure. So we Sold. adopted a bunny. Yeah. So we had a bunny at about the same time we started looking at uh, <laughs> IVF and kids. So, which was kind of in a funny symbolism way, you know, how bunnies have lots of, you know, little bunnies. We were thinking that he was our fertility bunny. <laughs> oh, there you go. Moving That's on from reason. that, though. But That's no, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it works if you only get one bunny, though. My role as a mom to both of my kids is different. So I did IVF after. So after my son came here um, and we, you know, established the family and waited a few years, um, I started the IVF process as well and was unsuccessful. Um, but we had frozen embryos and hired a gestational carrier who carried my son to life. Um, and 
you know, that's another super emotional when you're looking at your genetics. And Nathan, I don't know how you felt when your children were born, but it is, it is like nothing else ever. Like, it is amazing. And I just, you know, I can't wait for you guys to look into your child's face and like, know that this is like you. This is you. I have always been somewhat, I think, I don't know, obsessed a little bit with doppelgangers. And and people who look alike. I think you brought that up on like but your different episode. races. Do you do that? Like yeah, that's I mean, the white version races. of so and so. Sure, I have the... that. That's funny too. But but just like, seeing people that, that look share. like other people. Yeah, I I don't know why, and I don't know if that stems from not ever knowing a biological family member that I looked like until, of course, recently. But um, but I always wondered. Yeah, the same thing is like what do will my kids look like what do will my um you know what do my parents look like and i think maybe that's why i was so interested in, in, in that so uh, to your point i i agree when my kids were born i just kept thinking to myself was like oh wow do my kids look like me do they look like my my, my wife kept saying that she was going to be so sad if none of our kids looked like me all three of them looked like my <laughs> wife then it would be like oh we, you know this was for nothing it, yeah exactly <laughs> it didn't work i don't know but luckily actually we think well again you know they change they keep changing we think change, one of yeah. my, my sons looks more like me than my wife and so and he does share more characteristics um with me than uh than with her so we will see how it's that amazing turns out. but yeah it's life-changing yeah now my my current whatever besides going through all my own personal issues is just trying to be the mother because my role as mother is very different for both of the boys um and you know i i am afraid i'm not afraid but like you know, my son is still young. He's only 10, but he's about to be like a preteen and a teen and have all those angsty feelings. And is he going to come to us one day and be upset? I can't believe he did this to me. You know, like, who am, you know, like all the stuff that we felt. So my goal is to just allow that, like, if he does come to me, if and when, I'll know that I had established a relationship in which he felt safe enough to say those things to me. And so, you know, I hope he does come and have that hard conversation because it don't mean that he feels safe enough to trust me with those feelings, which I think that's another the, the, one of the things that like why I have never talked to my friends or my family about this is because I don't necessarily feel safe sharing, talking about it. And not because I don't think... They won't love me or care about me, but just it's just like an awkward kind of thing, you know. It's hard to have con- like hard conversations with people that you love, anyways, because you know, like, like for me, I found like I, my wife and I just recently talked about how we process emotions and uh, the speed at which we process emotions and the speed at which we're able to talk about those things. And so obviously doing the podcast and and doing a lot of this work on my, on my own terms and time, I'm like, Sarah, I got a lot of feels. And she's like, well, tell me about them. Like, whoa, like even, even a very well-meaning question (laughs) is like, Hey, how are you feeling? I'm like, why, why are you doing this to me? You know, like immediately my guard goes up and I know like 
<laughs> like Sarah is the safest person that I can share anything with. And yet mm-hmm. still my walls just go up. And I typically am a person who does not have walls. So mm-hmm. A, I found out that I have walls and B, they go up real quick. Um, <laughs> it does not take long for them to rise. Yeah. And so then it's like, well, like, so then I have to deal with that response and I have to maybe not even have the language to explain those things, you know, and that that's really tough. So, uh, yeah, I think that it's really powerful that you are so uniquely suited uh, to, to have those conversations with your son, um, to, to be so uniquely suited to be like, Hey, I see you. I hear you. I have literally, uh, gone through the things that you go through, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's, that is incredible. And, uh, they're hard conversations and I, um, I can't imagine, I mean, I, I can't imagine, but like just the amount of work to, have the language and and be familiar enough with the language that you can then share it um, and say like, hey, here's how here's how we build a strong kid, <laughs> you know, like this is this is a good way to navigate the world um, and and wrestle with these things. So yeah, and just to say my piece, thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, your your thing about infertility is literally one of my greatest fears. I don't wish it on anyone. <laughs> yeah, I hate that you had had to go through it. I hate that your family had to to wrestle with that and. I am am deathly afraid, not deathly afraid, that's a little dramatic, but uh, I am so afraid of that because of that yearning to see someone who looks like me. Yeah, uh, and to yeah. and to know like and I didn't even I didn't even realize it until my older siblings who were my parents kids started having kids and I was like they were like oh look you look just like your mom and, and whatever and that's when I started to feel the loss and I was like 10 at the time. I was like oh shoot, I really want this and and I'm so yeah, just nervous about it and all of those things. And um, unlike the three of you, my parents did go and pick me up from Korea. Um, and they then went again uh, and picked up my younger sister from Russia, um, who was around she, when when she was adopted. She was maybe even a little older than um, your son when you picked him up. Um, and they don't talk about it much. And, you know, I like it's not a thing that I've even thought to ask. It's not a thing that I will probably ask them anyways. Um, but like, we don't celebrate gotcha days. We don't do any of that partially just because like, they're not the people to do social media trends like that or anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, it gives me other perspective, you know, from where they're coming from. So yeah, thanks for adding all of this complexity uh, to an already complex discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, for your bravery and your candor uh, and, and incredible vulnerability. I think that really um, you honor us by sharing your story and, and you uh, amplify just another part of what it means to be adopted and what it means to be uh, a part of this ridiculous, uh, crazy social experiment that we are all still in. Um, so mm-hmm. thanks. And we thanks. know that we don't know you that well other than the few conversations we've had in the past leading up to this episode. But just from hearing you and just from the stuff that you've already said today, I think um, you know you are very well prepared for those conversations. I can tell your parent, your kids are in good hands. So and, when, uh, when you know, eventually I'd love to go, go hang on. I'm like, let's go get lunch, dude. <laughs> when you come yeah. home, like we need to, I don't oh, we'll know. We'll have a John Chi. We'll yeah, have a, be great. We'll have a central time zone John Chi. We'll have an Eastern time zone John Chi. Yeah. Well, we're going to, we're going to yes. do it up all over across I the country. I forgot so. that you were going to both be in, te- in Dallas. I was like, why are you saying that you're going to go to lunch with your kid? I'm like, you yeah, because <laughs> I'll be able to. I'll be like, yo, <laughs> let's go get some tacos. Yeah. Yes. Creepy. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. No, it'll be great. Speaking of food, I think it's time for our food portion. 
So yes, we will be right great. back in just a second with a, another food item from Munch Addict. Welcome back to the John Chi Show. This is the Food Family Hour. What? Uh, <laughs> what? Very, we have very some excited. new guests. So, yes, Jennifer, will you introduce? Well, our guest is Jennifer. Jennifer, will you introduce your guests also, please? Yes, this is my oldest son, Alex, and this is my husband, Vivek. Nice. Hello, hello, welcome. Hi. Welcome to the show. We are thrilled to have you on. Uh, if you haven't, please go back and listen to Jennifer's interview if you happen to be watching this on YouTube. Otherwise, you know, you'd be like, I just listened to it, and here we are. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, um, Patrick, what are we eating today, man? Uh, I have no idea. We are eating some sort of Vienna coffee snack. Um, if you give me just a second, I can tell you what it is. So here's the wild thing. Usually we complain about not being able to read it because it's written in Korean, but this one is written in, an, I guess, French? French. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Uh, language I do not speak French. I think it's Kokodasa. Really? According to the pamphlet, it is a sweet milk coffee cream is sandwiched between two thin crispy cookies. Nice. Who love thin crispy cookies. And Alex, is you're repeating one of our past uh, snacks, the the white heim. Oh, uh, yo, white heim are oh, delish. Yeah. Hazelnut chocolate in the middle of that one. I think you're gonna like it. But um, I mean, it looks fancy. Um, this is a crown crown product, right? Yeah, I I do admit it looks very fancy. Like it's oh wait, you know, maybe it's natural. Kind of looks like wrapping paper. Like Christmas yeah. wrapping I'll be paper. Right back. Sorry. Oh my gosh, Patrick! Literally, <laughs> <laughs> this is the part where we edit Patrick out and edit. Yeah, edit into where, other things. Where my co-hosts give me a lot of work to do. See, we <laughs> had my kids come in on the show. We had Cat come in on your on your feed, <laughs> oh, yeah, and then now right. <laughs> Patrick had to run away. I don't know. All right. Well, in the meantime, I'm just gonna go ahead and open this. Yeah, and get and Jennifer, into it, tell, tell us. So you found this at a local shop. So you do have an H Mart nearby. Yes, we found it. I found it at H Mart. I yeah. Oh, this is not gonna I be can... good. My my sandwich is smashed to bits. So yeah, I'm mine's gonna... pretty crumbly. I can already hear that. In Chop mine. it off. I'm gonna be very careful because, as you know, I hate <laughs> you the hate the crumbles everywhere here. You should try this out before I get. So. It's small, which yeah, it have a lot of caffeine in it. I see. It I don't know if good. it tells the content. It just says it's a. It could just be barely coffee flavor, honestly. But it is definitely crumbly. It tastes more like a cookie. Very coffee y. This reminds me of eating those uh, coffee go candies that we ate. Except it tastes like burnt coffee. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say it's not fresh coffee flavor. Do you, are you guys a coffee drinker family, or do you? We no. actually don't drink coffee, oh. but this kind of smells like coffee, or like it tastes like coffee smells. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, yes. we love the smell of coffee. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, sure. I I used to be like that. I used to love the smell more so than the taste it completely, but now I'm like addicted, so I can't stop drinking coffee. Yeah. But Alex loves chocolate so much, mm. and. And those stronger coffee-esque flavors. Mm. Yeah, no, Maybe no. you would like this. Alex, do you like milk chocolate or dark chocolate more? It's dark chocolate. Nice. Dark so chocolate. sorry. Well, we've already <laughs> we've already started uh, eating, so fine. You can I catch up. I hope well, you guys one down. continue without me. Well, it's okay because Patrick always just downs it in one bite anyway, so he'll be <laughs> he'll be past us here in a second anyway. So. Yeah, they're pretty small, so it would be easy. It actually goes very well with coffee too. Mm. Hmm. 
That Vec impressions. Really how are you feeling about this? I like it. Like it. Sweet. Yeah, it smells more like coffee than it tastes like coffee. Yeah, I agree. Crumbly. I would like to dip it in something. I don't know what. Since mm-hmm. I don't drink coffee, I don't know. Maybe some. I was tea. gonna say. I was like, you probably like to drink it in coffee. I don't hot know. Hot chocolate. Go well with tea. <laughs> oh, maybe hot chocolate. Okay. Yeah. You know, Alex. What do you think of the uh, the white heim? Yeah, thumbs up. <laughs> Gives a big old like thumbs it. up for the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> no, we were very, uh, very happy with that one. They have a chocolate one too. I think it's called Coco Heim. I think so. I'm, I'm anxious to try that one someday oh, well, too. That's, so that's a significantly really like less fun name than Whiteheim. I, I know. So I'm gonna whatever rating I gave Whiteheim, <laughs> take it down a whole number for Coco Heim. <laughs> I'm I think Whiteheim could be like a metal band name. Yeah, yeah I know <laughs> Whiteheim for sure. Yeah, it, it could be a lot of things. We we did joke about it and just in the meaning of it, too. <laughs> All right, Patrick, what do you think? I like it. I think it tastes great. I've already ate both of them, so because uh, <laughs> they were so good. I trying to remember what the Whiteheim tasted like. I felt like this was a very similar taste and texture. I don't know if yeah. it was. Maybe I'm remembering incorrectly, but... No, um, I think you are. You're right. Those are the this, vibes this, <laughs> the yeah, no, I, I think just... you're wrong, actually, Patrick. You've got it. <laughs> Dang it. That's really good. I like a wafer cookie, and that's kind of what it reminds me of. I agree yeah. uh, with Bavec. I think it smells more like coffee than mm-hmm. it tastes. Mm-hmm. And as for dipping, I think it's already got the chocolate, but I would dip that in some chocolate hummus. I think that would be good. Uh, I mean, but if it, it wouldn't, it would snap off like as, as soon yeah. as you tried to. Oh, like, you don't go. Up. You don't go forceful. You gotta go finesse. Gotta no, finesse. it doesn't matter how you have to like. You'd have to supplement it with like a cardboard strip just to make sure that it didn't snap. In I, I know. How about this? Do you just have small cardboard strips just ready to go? You're like, you yeah, know, have an it. system Incredibly. for it on. What about how about a spoonful of uh, of Nutella? Mm. See, this is already more work than I want it to be for dipping. Let's jump into our ratings nathan how about you kick us off i i like it i i, I agree i think it smells better than you know smells smells more coffee than taste so i'll get i'll give it a nice four star out of five i think four out of five i, I would i would eat it again and uh i actually kind of want it to be bigger honestly so, <laughs> agreed like, like, i have uh, the same criticism yeah like i, I mean i, I kind of think i'm thinking Kit Kat style where there's four of them you know in a row i think that would be enough for me but. I think we've talked about this though. That's our that's the American culture in us is wanting more and the portions to be larger. You're like, I'd like um, it to be larger and yeah. sweeter and also better and more salt, please. Wanted to be for Nathan. Yeah. this big and want, nice. So much salt, Fo- a foot long cracker. <laughs> what about you, Patrick? What do you think? Uh, I give it a four too. Um, I agree. I wish it was a little bit more robust, but I think I really enjoyed the taste. And um, I don't know. Yeah, I just wish it was more (laughs) robust. I want it to be not wafer thin. I want it to be wafer thick. Probably just because Jennifer's on the show. I just made me think like Texas Truck Month. I need this to be robust. (laughs) Yikes! I don't think those two things go together. No, it's just that's what I was. You're like, all right. uh, The Texas announcer voice. (laughs) Oh yeah, Texas Truck Month is back. 
<laughs> Vienna coffee wafers. Swing by for a Ford F-250 with a Hemi at whatever. I don't care. Exactly. Yeah. I, I like literally <laughs> like when I would go back home for Thanksgiving and be like, oh, yeah, I'm back in Texas because it's always <laughs> Texas truck month. And you're like, oh, yeah, yep. we have a whole truck month. Oh, that's like an actual thing. No, yes, it's an actual thing. Yeah, just for Ford. I think Dodge probably has their own thing. Well, they have like I think Dodge has like King Ranch, King Ranch things that are like specifically like Lone Star, Texas brands, whatever. Anyways, <laughs> Patel family. I know way more about trucks than I need to because I never want to own a truck. Patel family, <laughs> give us your thoughts on on the. I don't even. I threw away the rapper. The the Dasa and Whitehead. <laughs> How, uh, that's how it's called, I think. I'm like, it's at least Korean. I'm more than 50% sure that I am accurate. Yeah. Very Korean accent on it. So, it. Well. Go. How would you score it out? I would do four, four out of five. Mm-hmm. I think oh, it's I funny that the serving size is four packages, but you have to unwrap all four of the packages individually. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Like just huh. shove serving them in one package. Four packages and we wow. only got one package. Munch you didn't even get a full serving. Munch no, no. The, the, the actual we're box. Have, we're going to have words. Expect it's some some hot oh, comments on your Instagram you mean feed. You're, you're, you're saying that you wish Munch Addict had given us four of them is what you're saying. Yeah, give us, a, give us a full right. serving. Yeah, or like put it in one package. This is environmentally. It's true too. I wonder if if the serving size in Korea is actually like one package in there. Oh, they've Americanized. Hot take. Yeah, good point. And they switched it over just for us Americans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I wish this were a sticker. Um, Mm -hmm. You know how sometimes you buy foods at at the grocery store and it's got this. A sticker uh-huh. in English with the nutrition facts. Yeah, nope. they, they, they didn't do that here, but <laughs> if they did, I bet it would say one package for if you're a large American. All right. <laughs> it's like uh, you wear a medium in America, you wear an XL in Asia. Oh my gosh, this guy walking around Korea was hilarious. <laughs> like a giant? <laughs> He's six foot yes. four. Whoa. Oh, and nice. I have a picture of him like in a group of Korean people on the street and he is just like he's the giant to like his adam's apple and you're like nah, and there's no head <laughs> easy to find though in the crowd although so you probably you had to are... duck a lot when you're like going into things because they might have been made a little shorter too i was very self-conscious around like accidentally elbowing people and like, in the oh, yeah. <laughs> people that are so so polite i don't think they would necessarily say anything if i yeah well, if they out. did, you wouldn't necessarily. Well, they definitely wouldn't say anything if I knocked them out. <laughs> Amazing. All right, Jennifer, Vivek, what are y'all's ratings? I, I don't, I'm going to go with three, just because it's good. But you know, okay. as an almost 40 year old woman who can't really eat snacks well, anymore, Jennifer, I wouldn't. We are not ageist on the show. Okay, I know. I'm show. waiting for the shirt. Goodness. <laughs> um, I, I would not waste my. Sure. I wouldn't waste my calories on it. Mm. Oh, that's a see, that's a that's a unique standard you got there. I would I'm giving it five out of five. I have Whoa. really no other Korean <laughs> snacks to compare to. Wow. I love cookies. I mean, okay. does yes. love cookies. So I I would eat the heck out of these. Um <laughs> so yeah, it's very that. crumbly, it's buttery, and since I don't like coffee but it kind of smells like coffee, that really appeals oh, to me too. Okay. So, yeah. Nice. I like that. Yeah, that's that's a good, excited. That's, I kinda wanna amend a thoughtful that to make review. It a five. Okay, 
Pat, do you want to amend your rating? Or are you going to? No, I'm going to. I'm going to leave right. it. But the 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 enthusiastic five out of five. That's what I. The really hot take. Like. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I I think I'm going to give it a two point seven five. Are you serious? Oh. Yes. Uh, here's the deal. It it, it tastes like coffee, but it tastes like burned coffee. Not mm. that great. It is super crumbly, which generally is good. But um, and I'm I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but my package was like completely destroyed so it was just eating crumbles for me so also not that good i felt like the the butteriness was good but um yeah i just it wasn't i don't know i just wasn't like amazing for me it was good wasn't amazing uh this seems like honestly it seems like a treat that would be right up my alley i think you know uh i think vivek and i have a similar taste palette when it comes to cookies so um it should have been much better than it was but it just wasn't that good so 2.75 for for this old boy interesting yep Alrighty. Well, I think we have a one more guest joining us real quick. Oh, yeah, this is the littlest one. Hello. It's like Nathan when he was little, he has no interest whatsoever in being here. <laughs> Amazing. This is this so you're saying this is little Nathan. <laughs> Hi. Well, that was it. Bye. Hey, yep. Perfect. It was a good uh, cameo. I, I sent you M&Ms. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for the snacks. Oh, and now I'm being left by everyone. Okay. Oh. Well, it was good meeting uh, you guys. Yeah, it's good meeting you. Yeah, it was great meeting you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us on. Enjoy your snacks. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I can't That's start amazing. my video because Nathan is controlling, but goodbye. <laughs> Let me on. Wait, we're not done. No. Yeah, we're still recording. Anyways, uh, Jennifer, fine. thank you so much for your interview um, you and for, for hanging out with me. us on the show. Where can people find you on the internet if they want to get connected with you? And if you so, want them to find you. Uh, I'm on Facebook as Jennifer Holcomb, which is my maiden name, H-O-L, and then like you comb your hair, C-O-M-B. Um, I'm on Instagram as J Holcomb P. It's all very, it's all different. Um, and then I have a blog linked up in my Instagram. That's not really just adoptee like centered, but I do write stories like of adoption on there. So cool. yeah, J Holcomb P and, uh, and on Instagram. Perfect. Excellent. Alrighty. Uh, well, we will link that in our show notes. So reach out to Jennifer to say you're the best and I want to be friends. And uh, <laughs> it'll probably all be smooth sailing from there. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you want to talk to any of the three of us, be a guest or uh, just say thanks or just, I don't know, I don't literally anything. You can find us at John Chi Show on all of our social platforms. You can send us an email. Uh, at Johnchi Show at justlikemedia.com. You can go to our website and read our blogs if you want, um, or just uh, click around and see what's up at johnchishow.com. Also, if you want to support the show, um, you can go to johnchishow.com slash support, and you can uh, buy us a snack, if you will. Uh, just helps to literally just keep the show running and, and do the things that we do um, in, a, in a good and fun way. Um, if you want to see pictures that Nathan drew, not drew, took, <laughs> what? pictures that Nathan took or links that Patrick shares or hear uh, Korean covers, wait, covers of Korean songs that I am making, you can join us on our Facebook group, The Junchi Show After Party, um, for all of that and more. Get connected with some people there. Um, yeah, if you want to talk to me about Texas Truck Month or anything in between, <laughs> you can find me at KJ Relke on all of the places that I want to be found on the internet. You want to talk to me about food? You can call <laughs> contact me at N Noak on, on Instagram. Instagram. And if you just want to talk to me, 
You nope. can find me at Patrick in the world on Instagram and yeah. at P Armstrong on Clubhouse. Clubhouse is now being talked about more readily around the world, so I'm shouting it from the rooftops. Join us on Clubhouse, and we have yes. great conversations there. Also, I don't I think know it's what about I'm to doing with my Android head. users, maybe. I heard I that know. they did an Android test uh, not too long ago. So, although Android my wife users? still doesn't know what it is, and she keeps calling it Playhouse. So <laughs> they should rebrand. They should definitely Amazing. rebrand. Yeah. So yes. But right. thank you, Jennifer, so much for coming on and for the interview, telling us your story, eating some snacks with us with your family. Um, this has been great and uh, we really appreciate everything that you said. Yes, absolutely. Uh until next week, John Chi Heyo. Bye. 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 <laughs> All right. <laughs> Done. <laughs>